Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Metroscope, an Intercom Radio Portland public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham. The National Multiple Sclerosis Society is a global leader in MS research, recognized as a catalyst for all major advancements in MS. On Metroscope this time, we're going to find out about some of those advances in MS, and we're talking with somebody who has firsthand experience. We are talking today with Chloe Cohen. Chloe is an ambassador with the National MS Society. Hey there, Chloe. How's it going? It's going pretty well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. So I think we probably should get started with this interview today by defining MS. What is MS? Well, MS is an unpredictable, often disabilitating disease of the central nervous system that disrupts the flow of information within the brain and between the brain and body. And symptoms range from numbness and tingling to blindness and paralysis, a neurological illness. And where do we know where it comes from? I don't think so. I think they're still trying to figure that out. And MS stands for multiple sclerosis. Is that correct? Did I say that correct? correct? And you you are a person living with MS. I have been living with MS for 20 years now. Tell me about that. What was when your diagnosis then was 20 years ago in 1998. What was that like? Right. Tell me about the diagnosis. Well, I was... That was kind of a rare one where I had head trauma, and that head trauma then triggered symptoms. So for me, it happened very quickly and very uh, debilitating fast. So uh, I clearly had visible symptoms, and at that time, it took a little longer to get diagnosed 20 years ago. So I would say two or three months versus like a few weeks that it would take now. Um, but for me, it was, I had, uh, really bad coordination and balance. I had double vision. I had vertigo, which is like being drunk without the benefit of (laughs) being drunk. Um, so, but this, for me, it was very fast and sudden for a lot of people. It's a slower progression because a lot of times with this disease, you have symptoms, but then they go away and then they might come back later. So it kind of, you know, they pick and choose when they want to appear and you can't really predict how long they're going to last. So I think for me, um, in the severity of my symptoms, it was, it was pretty apparent that there was something wrong (laughs) and a lot of tests began and it took a good amount of time to get diagnosed and uh but being 20 years old i was lucky because i could get on medication right away and that's like the biggest benefit to slowing the progression of the disease because it doesn't stop there is no cure so uh getting on medication right away uh to try and control it yet for 10 years i kept progressing and at that time there was only 
uh, four medications available, and now there's 15. And um, this new drug, Ocrevus, Ocrevus, however you want to pronounce it, mm-hmm. um, is the first drug that's been uh, given for people with uh, primary progressive MS. Because I think a lot of people don't realize there's three, four types of MS, each ranging in severity. I have relapsing remitting MS, which is the least debilitating most of the time, and the progressive illnesses they hadn't had any medications for to slow down until this new drug came out. So it's very big in the community for all these people who've never gotten any kind of relief. They're now uh, staying stable, not getting any worse, maybe not getting any better, but they're staying stable, and that's important. Yes, stability is is probably a very good thing. So take me back again, back 20 years to your diagnosis. Mm -hmm. What is the diagnosis process like? How How is MS diagnosed? Well, initially they do like an EKG and see how the brain activity is happening. Obviously, there's nothing shown in EEG, sorry. Um, and uh, so there's all these blood blood work and all this stuff. And eventually, I guess for me, the last test they did was the MRI, which will show lesions in the brain, which are plaques that form. And then, uh, I guess, produce the symptoms depending on where that lesion is. So... Until you see them, you don't really know. Yet, you could have no lesions on your brain or spine um, and be debilitated because you maybe have one lesion on your spine versus, like, my brain looks like Swiss cheese, and I'm very able-bodied and functioning. But at the same time, it took a lot of work to get to this point. So. Tell me about these past 20 years. What, is, what has changed, and what has your life been like for 20 years? Well, it's been, uh, it's been a learning experience for sure. Um, I think for me, because I was so young, and I, you know, you're 20 years old, you're about to become a responsible adult, I guess. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and, uh, for me, it was like, oh, I feel like I'm 80. So for me, I had to kind of grow up really fast and learn how to appreciate things that most people don't think about until they're in in their 70s or 80s. Because mm-hmm. People generally don't know what they have until they lose it. <laughs> and I've lost a lot so young that it was my determination to help other people in this situation. What has your support system been like? What, where, where have you leaned on the most? Actually, I started a support group here in Portland 13 years ago. And at that time, it was for people 25 and under. Then we kept getting older. <laughs> so then it was 30 and under. Then, then it was 40-ish and under. And now we just call it <laughs> MS Happy Hour because we're all, we all have beers and food and chat and talk to each other. And that's what it's about, the community, realizing you're not alone. That's probably a great thing for people, especially who are new to it, or even people that have had MS for a while. You can get together and swap stories and get to feel a little more comfortable with yourself. Yeah, there's nothing better than someone who's just diagnosed, because you get that diagnosis and you have no idea what your future holds. You don't know what this disease is going to be like in in five years, more or less, 
two days, you know, it changes constantly. So I think uh, having that support for people is so important. And I didn't see it happening here back then. So I was like, I, got, I guess I got to make this happen. Good and, for you. Uh, yeah, me and another woman started this, and it's been going strong. It's probably one of the few support groups I know of that has lasted this long and is as strong as it is because we are family. Yeah. Yeah, there's, having that support around you is so very important. We're talking today with Chloe Cohen, an ambassador with the National MS Society. Now, uh, tell me tell me about the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. How involved are you with that? I am very involved. I've been basically speaking and trying to raise money for uh, 18 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, they, they have probably the biggest... Uh, they're the biggest leader in, in research and um, making advances in MS. Um, we really, they really try to help people with MS, further the research, but most of all, bring the community together. And I think that's so important because so many people feel so alone, whether you're just diagnosed or you're isolated in your home. You can know there's people out there that are on your same in a similar situation and you can all work together to uh, get closer to a cure I guess. Do you suppose that somebody who is recently diagnosed or maybe somebody who's living with MS uh, for a while is a is the National MS Society a good place to, to go to get some information and, and kind of reach out? Oh definitely, definitely. They have so many different programs to help patients. I mean whether it's support groups or peer talking, what uh, I think it's called, uh, oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like you can get connected with another person and just speak with them one-on-one. And I think that's really important, especially if you're first diagnosed, because it's a little intimidating. So I would say so, yes. To communicate with about how you're feeling. Is there Psychologically a l- as well as physically. Is there a local MS chapter here in Portland? Yes, there is, and they are huge. I've been a huge supporter of them. With all the walks they do, they do a bike thing. They do all kinds of different acts. I think they actually have like a brew fest thing happening. I haven't gone to that yet. That sounds very Portland. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, they actually have a huge gala in September that raises uh, a lot, a lot of money, um, I guess this year is expected to raise $300,000. Wow. Over eight years, the gala has raised more than $2 million. So it's really important because without that money, we wouldn't be furthering our our knowledge. We wouldn't be getting better medications. We wouldn't have as much support. So, yeah. You say the National MS Society is a global leader in MS research. Do you know what kind of research is currently being done out there? Um. I know some, not a lot. I'm not a scientist, but I'm sure they're working on uh, myelin repair because when you have MS, the myelin sheath around your nerves doesn't exist. So that's why the messages get sent all funky. And uh, I know they've been working on learning how to repair that myelin for quite a while now. And now I think they're just trying to figure out how to get it to work in a human versus a mouse. Okay. (laughs) Wow, that sounds like a, a promising yeah. bit of research right there. 
Do you know where, what are some other ways that MS is treated? Is it mainly through medication? Uh, I think so, but there's also alternative medicines such as acupuncture, herbs, and exercise. Um, I think, yeah, I've been lucky that these medications were working for me, except I was on a single dose of the medicine for 10 years and it wasn't slowing things down. So, but at that time they didn't have any stronger drugs. So I went on double dose of this medicine. And once I started that, everything kind of stabilized and I wasn't having episodes. Um, So, but then this new drug came out, which changed my life completely because I was having to uh, stab myself every four days with a needle. And now I just get an infusion once every six months. So it's really life altering. (laughs) That sounds like a lot simpler for sure. Yeah. When, when you say episodes, I, I, I don't mean to get too personal, but what do you mean by episodes? No. Well, with MS, when you, uh, an episode can, new symptoms that appear. So all of a sudden your foot is numb and tingly and uh, that's awesome, a symptom. Um, but it, an episode would be new symptoms that appear um, and those symptoms can range so there's such a huge umbrella of symptoms. So no, no two people are the same with this disease. And that's, that's the challenge because everybody experiences it differently. Yeah, that must be a real challenge for scientists to try to figure out. Yeah. If there's so many different presentations of MS, it sounds like. Exactly. Yes. And I think uh, that's the biggest challenge these scientists are having, you know. Do you know how prevalent MS is, and and what are the statistics out there for men and women? I think uh, MS affects more than 2.3 million worldwide, and um, we've been women are two to three times more likely to be diagnosed with MS than men, and I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure why, but that's the statistics. And the age range seems to be between, I'm reading here, between 20 and 50. Is that, is that correct? That is correct. And it's a very different thing being diagnosed in your 20s than in your 40s or 50s. Because when you're in your 40s or 50s, you probably have things established. You might have your own family. You might have a career. But when you're in 20s, those things haven't necessarily been established yet. So I think it's, it's a different thing. I, I mean, being diagnosed so young for me was this challenge of becoming this independent woman that I was supposed to be and living with this illness. And then people who are older have already had so much established already. And then the MS happens and it totally disrupts your life and you have to uh, navigate through it. And everybody's got a different way of doing that. So what are some symptoms of MS? What, what symptoms did you experience? Oh my well, I guess initial symptoms were lack of coordination and balance, vertigo, double vision. Um, do, those, do those things come on quickly or is it kind of a gradual thing? Um, I think it can be both. Oh. Um, I, I think people, for me, it happened very fast, but for a lot of people, it's more of a slower progression. So I, everybody, again, everybody's different with yeah. it, but, you know, I know that 
the severity of the symptoms can range from like very minor to very debilitating. That's why you see so many people in wheelchairs. So when people are first diagnosed, that's their first thought. Oh, great. Now I'm going to be in a wheelchair the rest of my life. And I don't know a single person who has been diagnosed who didn't ha- have that thought. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's unfortunate. But then you learn, hopefully, that that's not going to be you. And if, if you keep fighting and have a positive attitude, you might be able to avoid that wheelchair. Well, that certainly sounds like you. You have definitely a great attitude. Thank you. Thank you. And well, I didn't get this at 20 just to, like, cry about it. This has been my... <laughs> my past for the last 20 years so I really know how much your attitude plays into your healing and uh, I was ready to conquer it and here I am yeah not everybody has that type of attitude it, 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 it's that's that's a challenge you are uh, I'm sure it wasn't easy getting to the point where you're you're a fighter right right no it was not easy but I guess you know I was a stubborn kid <laughs> and that kind of played out with the MS because I was like, no, I'm not letting this beat me. And so, yeah, my attitude definitely helped to my benefit of regaining what I had lost. And you are a mus- musician. How has MS affected your musicianship? Well, it was pretty brutal back in the day because I was a cellist. I was in college studying music. And uh, and then I lost the use of my left arm. And uh, so I couldn't play the cello anymore. So I had to revamp my musical uh, career, and I turned it to DJing because I didn't have to do such fine motor control. And uh, I could adapt it to make it work for me. And I think that's a huge part of MS is learning how to adapt in this world that is not built for you. And so you have to figure out ways around these things. And it's like I, I found a musical path. Yeah, it wasn't my cello, but I could still have that same feeling on the turntable. So that's what I've been doing. Well, that's great that music is still a huge part of your life. I, I think somebody who is into music, it doesn't ever leave you, right? Never, no. And that, but that was also a really hard thing to learn. Um, there was a lot of anger and sadness and bitterness in those beginning years because I was like, how dare you take my passion from me? But what I realized is that passion is forever in you. And that, that, that ability is so strong that I can make it happen regardless if I have an instrument to play or not. It's all in my brain, still working. See, there's that fantastic attitude again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit more about the uh, the gala that's coming up. When is it again? Oh, it's September 20th, and it's at the Nine Hotel, Nines Hotel in downtown Portland. So it must be a, kind of a fancy event if it's at the Nines. It is. It is a formal fancy event, which is kind of fun because you don't get to see a lot of these people. You may have meetings with them, but you're never, you know, dressed in black tie affair. So it's, it's kind of nice. It yeah. makes you feel a little special. What can we expect at the gala? What happens there? Well, I know this year um, I was part of a huge national campaign for the MS Society that is called This Is MS, and it features, I think, about six or eight 
uh, people living with MS and kind of briefly tells their story. And it, it shows the strength that people with MS have. I think that's something that we all have is this, this strength that comes from our, ourselves, but that we get from each other. And uh, I think the strength is what makes it so important that we can uh, keep, keep on fighting and keep pushing on, keep moving forward. I would definitely encourage our listeners to, to search out This Is MS because there's a, quite a collection of videos and, and Chloe's video is up there and it's quite inspiring to, to see you. Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a good one. So just look up This Is MS. I'm sure you can find it uh, with the National MS Society. It's pretty fantastic. Right. Yeah, and it's exciting because there's a few other people in that, in that campaign who are going to be at the nines and I feel so connected, each and every one of them. I know a couple of them personally, but some of them I have not met. And it's like, even though I haven't met them, I feel connected to them forever. (laughs) So it's kind of powerful. How did your story get chosen to be made into a video? Uh, I have no idea. (laughs) I think, I think. Just because you're awesome. I'm awesome. And I have also been involved with the society for so long and I've always been trying to make changes in the way people view MS because I think so many people it was more about awareness and waking up the world to you know be grateful for what you have because you don't know when you could lose it and uh, I think for me because I lost it so young that's been my path I'm like I just want people to be aware that and that a lot of disability isn't visible and that's a that's a really hard thing for a lot of people with MS. I know it was for me. It's like, well, I wasn't in a wheelchair, but I couldn't walk that far. So where do I lie? And um, I think it's important for people to understand that there's so many symptoms that are invisible. You can't see. It doesn't mean you have to be in a wheelchair using a cane. There's and there's also neurological things that happen with speech and. Uh, just uh, having brain fog, which is is more like you just can't think so clear. Um, so the, you know, because the symptoms are so different for each person, I think that it's really important to to make people aware of of the variety of symptoms and things that can happen with MS. And now you have a, a, a service animal, right? Oh, I do. Yes. What does that? How? What changes that made in your life? Oh, that uh, he made life a lot easier because I don't have a. I'm not in a wheelchair. Uh, it was. You get a lot of looks because you're stumbling and people think you're drunk. But by getting this service dog and it, you know, clearly saying service dog, people are like, okay, maybe she's not drunk. And um, so for me, it made it easier to access public being in the public when I had the dog I I mean maybe it was a self-consciousness that people I thought people were thinking I was drunk or whatever but he really uh not only the physical aspect of walking because he was trained for mobility so he helped me with uh just navigating through the world um but he gives you a psych- he gave me a psychological relief. I always had a little buddy to hang on to. So, 
And now he's retired, which is kind of cool. Oh, yeah? I've gotten better, so I don't need him anymore. Now he's just a dog dog, <laughs> which is fun. <laughs> is he, does yeah. he still live with you? He still lives with me. He's my best buddy. Oh, that's awesome. He just doesn't work so much. But I still take him, you know, certain places when I, if I'm feeling, feeling like it. Right. But I don't need him, which is kind of nice. Anything else you want to fit in? We've got about a, just about 30 seconds left. Um, I just want to say it's all about your attitude. Everything is what you make it. So if you're going to sit home and cry about it, you're never going to feel any better. But if you step up to the plate and start being proactive about it, you can, you can change things. And uh, it's not the end of anything. It's just the beginning of a new path. And I think, you know, we all have different paths and we're all made. You got to figure out how to work with it. And uh, I've done it and I've met many other people who are doing it. And there is hope. There is hope. Those are fantastic words that everybody could live by, MS or not. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Chloe. This has been a a great conversation. Thank you so much. We've been talking today with Chloe Cohen, ambassador with the National MS Society. Metroscope is an Intercom Radio Portland public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham. If you're involved with a nonprofit or public affairs organization, or if you have an idea for an upcoming show, I'd like to hear from you. Visit MetroscopePDX.com and submit your ideas. You can also go to this station's website and submit your information there. Thanks for listening to Metroscope and enjoy the rest of your weekend. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.